Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, it's me, the Comeback Coach. Guys, I just want to tell you about a person in my life that is truly, truly amazing. And she's actually changing the world one house, one home at a time. Her name is Tammy Moses of The Hoarding Solution. She's the founder and chief encouragement officer of Homes Are For a Living, The Hoarding Solution, which is a veteran-owned and operated business. Tammy provides virtual consultations and workshops on the issues of hoarding. She believes in inspiring others to take their adversity and use it for the greater good. She is the voice of AKOPTH, adult kids of parents that hoard. She is also a voice and advocate for our, of, for YLITH, Youths Living in the Horde. You can connect with Tammy at homesareforliving at gmail.com and on Facebook at Instagram at The Hoarding Solution. So guys, if you know anybody that's struggling with ho- any kind of hoarding issue, please reach out to Tammy she has a heart of service and she truly cares about people. All right, guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is but up. Welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be an amazing episode. We're going to be talking about some amazing things with a brand new friend of ours and we're going to talk about two of my favorite things movies and veterans and so much more so guys help me welcome mr michael gear one of the most amazing people that i've ever met and probably one of my favorite directors of all time how are you doing my brother i am good how are you today oh you know every day is keeps on getting better and better and better so what's new you know just working on getting the word out about this film so that we can change some lives, save some lives. I love that. So, um, and I think it's truly amazing what you're doing. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, where you're from, what kind of kid were you and were you always <laughs> into film? Like I, I, I just interviewed a gentleman. Yeah. Uh, he was as a young kid, he was into music and then he eventually became a music and video producer. Were you always into video and stuff like that? You know, I wasn't. I was always an entertainer. Uh, I made a living as an entertainer for most of my life, starting out on stage as a singer, dancer, actor. So I had the opportunity to star in Broadway musicals all over the country and even some international shows. And then I started working in television and uh, film as an actor. And then about, let's see, 2009. So what is that? 12 years ago, I started the production company. And that was when I went behind the camera and started directing and producing and since then i've been able to do hundreds of different projects whether it's tv commercials corporate videos uh films uh, documentaries you name it so take us back to the first memory of you performing as a kid well you know i I was in uh, junior high school all my friends were in drama class and i had a spanish class (laughs) and so they all said drop spanish and come join us and so i did and I ended up having so much fun as an actor at 14 that that just set me off on that career. 
So I started, you know, just doing shows in the junior high school and we had a beautiful theater. And uh, from there, I got hooked up with something called San Diego Junior Theater, which is a performing arts education school that the city runs in Balboa Park. And they also have a beautiful theater. So I get a lot of training as a singer, dancer, actor, and was in the different musicals that they produced. And then at 17, I joined a group called The Bright Side, and that was my first paying gig. And that was us touring all over really the western part of the country. We did a lot of shows in Vegas, San Diego, and all over the western part of the country. We went up to Washington, uh, the Puyallup State Fair in Washington State. And uh, so performing in The Bright Side. And then from there, I moved up to Los Angeles and just auditioned for different shows. And I would get hired. I'd fly out to wherever the show was being performed do the show for however long the contract lasted then i'd come back to la audition get hired again leave la to go to wherever that show was and just bouncing back and forth and performing so what was it like stepping you know from you know um because i i was i'm retired military and Mm. there was a big mindset change when i went from being just a regular guy to now becoming a leader of men so Mm. what was it like the mindset going from in front of the camera to behind the camera what kind of mindset shift was that you know i don't know if it was really a mind shift but i've always been a a director producer but on stage because i've I've always just been that way i mean when i was uh 17 i had a group called paradox and it was a group of actors uh a couple of them were singers i had a guy who was a mime uh, an impressionist, voice impressionist, so he could do Jerry Lewis and all these other great characters, Jimmy Stewart. And so there's about probably eight to 12 of us at different times. And I, I was the director producer of that group. It was my group. I created it and we performed all over Southern California. So I've kind of always been a director producer. It's just that it was on stage. And then when I started getting into television and film work as an actor, I realized, well, I'm, I've been a director producer on stage let's see what happens now trying to do it with film and uh, i literally knew nothing about behind the camera uh, i was so used to being in front of the camera and not really paying attention to what anybody else did behind the camera that when i wanted to go behind the camera i literally had to learn everything uh, from scratch i didn't know who the crew members were i didn't know who i needed to hire i actually bought a bunch of equipment and i hired a college student to teach me how to use everything the camera the microphone the lights because i had no idea And then from there, it was just me going out there shooting different projects and then editing things for my clients. Uh, So it was just a one man band when I started. And then it just kind of grew to where, you know, now we do films. I've got large crews, up to 30 people uh, on set uh, and then um, doing the short films, feature films. And then this is our first documentary, Wounded Heroes. And uh, it's been a great learning experience doing a documentary. But you know, it's just, I think it was something that I, was, I naturally do, you know, directing and producing. So there wasn't too much of a mind shift when I made this change. Now, you know, because like a, a lot of actors, there's some actors that they're they're well known for getting into their characters. Mm-hmm. So they, a lot of actors, you know, don't get as deep involved, but there's certain actors out there that get really deep into their, into, you know, they become that person. Mm-hmm. How were you, were, were you that kind of person that would delve deep into that character no they, they call that method acting and you know there's a famous saying I, th- I can't remember who it was who said it but somebody was just putting himself through misery as an actor and he's a big movie star 
um, putting himself through misery because he was a method actor and he had to be that character and, and, and whatever the scene called for, it was really hard on the actor. And I think it was Sir, Sir Lawrence of Olivier turned to this actor and said, why don't you just learn how to act? Why do you have to put yourself through this? You know, and I kind of feel that same thing. You don't have to be the character. You know, when, when I do a scene, I can be in tears. And then when we say cut, you know, I can sit there and talk to everybody and have a good old time. And then when they say action, you know, I'm back in tears. That's acting. You know how to turn it on and turn it off versus the person who, you know, you have to call them by their character name and um, you have to, they have to, you know, keep their accent the whole time or, you know, they have to, if they're really a mean character, they have to be mean to everybody on set because that's who they are on camera. So they have to be that way off camera. And it's just, in my opinion, it's a ridiculous way to, to act. Although there are great actors who do that, like Meryl Streep um, and, and many others, you know, that they are method actors. Um, but, and, and of course they're doing an amazing job. So you would never tell her what to do or not do. She needs to do what she does for her to make it work. But no, I'm not that type. And I actually would not encourage anyone to be trained in that way either. Okay. Then I have to ask, cause you, you brought it up. How, how does a person go from not crying to crying? What kind of place does it, do you have to go to, to get to that? Well, for me, what works is uh, music. So when I want to get myself to that place, um, I just put on my headphones and then I have, I literally have a, a file on my phone. It's, it's my, uh, cry music <laughs> so i just go to that file folder and then i i hit a song and i just listen to it and it just gets me where it needs to get me and i can get the tears to to start naturally okay um, and you know many times you know i don't want to be crying right off the bat you know I, I the scene needs to progress and then about halfway through the tears may naturally come you know but the music still gets me to a place where um everything's there when i need it and then it just naturally happens uh so that's that's what works for me i think people have different ways uh that work for them and i'll tell you it's really hard like i had auditions for uh criminal minds that tv show i think i've auditioned for them like eight times and i always played you know the father who lost his daughter or the the husband who lost his wife and so they were always bringing me in and uh you know it's hard because you've got all these actors for the callbacks you know they may bring eight of us back to see producers and the director and so you walk into a room and there's this whole crowd of people looking at you and you have to walk in and be emotional. And so I literally just stand outside the casting room door. I've got my music going. I got my headphones on and uh, I've got the music playing that I need to hear. And then as soon as they call me in, I just take that all off, set it down on the ground, walk in and I'm ready to go. And so that's how it always worked for me. And so I'd start the scene and at the right point, the tears would start and that's how I kind of made it work for me. <laughs> oh, is, has there any been any parts that you've played that were kind of life altering or life changing that you anything you've ever played in? No, I, you know, I'm I played a lot of bad guys, which I enjoy playing because it's not me. I'm really easygoing and uh, I'm just not that bad or, or tough guy that many of my roles end up being that I play. And so I really enjoy playing them. So, but they don't, there's nothing has changed. It's just me acting, me just having fun. You know, I've played a serial killer. I played a um, military guy who was just a real jerk. Um, I played a guy in prison who was just a real psychopath uh, who had raped and murdered a child. Uh, I mean, I've just played a lot of crazy roles. And 
you know, and, and some of them, of course, I don't like the characters because of who they are, and what they did. But as an actor, it's fun to play roles that are so different than myself. Okay, now you know I've talked to a bunch of actors, and a lot, and some of them said, you know, they, you know, if they've been doing it for 20, 30 years, that they get so accustomed to be an actor that they forget who they are. Have you known anybody that has been like that, where they're just like, well, well, I'm playing so many roles, but who am I? You know, and I think that's one thing, the military, like when guys get out of the military after 20, 30 years, you know, they're so wrapped up in, the, you know, being sergeant, whatever, that when they get out and transition, they don't know who they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I've never experienced that as an actor, but I do know method actors can experience that. I've heard actors who've had to take a break. I mean, we're talking major stars who've had to take a break from acting just because they were a method actor and into that character for so long that it takes them sometimes six months or longer to get back to who they are as a normal human being with their real personality. And then if they do too many movies, one after the other, they are so confused that they have to take a break for years just to go, okay, I got to get all these method characters out of my head so I can get back to being myself. Again, that's just the, the downfall of method acting. I'm an actor who isn't a method actor. And so I can turn it on and turn it off. And as soon as I'm done with the role, I'm still Michael Geyer. You know, nothing's changed. Uh, so, no, that's never happened to me. But it does make sense in the military, without a doubt, with everything, who they are overseas. And then when they come home, trying to figure out who they are now, especially with it being so different at home compared to being overseas and what they experience there. So now you got to talk to us about, um, you know, I'm a big documentary guy. I'll watch a documentary about a documentary being made. I love documentaries. Mm -hmm. so talk to us about what spurned what you're doing now in the documentary and your film. What, what got you involved? So we had a screenplay for a film called Wounded Heroes that I was going to do, hiring actors, and it was going to be, you know, a regular theatrical released film. And I didn't, the topic was post-traumatic stress as one of the storylines, and I didn't know much about post-traumatic stress. And so I was doing interviews with veterans to find out what is post-traumatic stress, how do you get it, how does it affect your life. And I met a guy in San Diego named Carl. He was really battling post-traumatic stress. It was destroying his life. He had tried to commit suicide uh, three times uh, at that point, uh, once by trying to hang himself, but his girlfriend walked in and, and caught him thankfully, and saved his life. But he was on 16 different medications, down from 18. And he said it wasn't really helping. It was just more of a Band-Aid. And that was shocking to me. One, that he here's this young guy in his 20s who's on that many medications. And two, it wasn't even helping. And so I walked out of that interview and I realized there has to be better options than what I just saw. And so that's I put the, the other film on hold and decided to do a documentary and go out and see if we could find treatments and options that would get, one, people off the medications, and then two, get, give them their lives back, completely solving the problem of post-traumatic stress. And so it was a three-year journey, just doing a lot of research, talking to a lot of people all over the country, doing a lot of interviews, and we just found amazing options that do give people their lives back post-traumatic stress completely behind them and you know I, I i deal with i'm a big you know uh vet, veteran advocate um a big um police officer and first responder advocate michael segrew is one of one of my great friends 
and I know he's a friend of yours also. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what have you really learned? Because um, a lot of people hear the word, you know, PTS, you know, PTSD or PTS, and they think, oh, it's just some guy that or some girl that just that went off the edge. What have you learned about post-traumatic stress? Well, a few things. One, that it can happen to any of us. When I started the project, not knowing anything about it, I thought it was something that only the military dealt with. Since then, of course, I found out that it really affects anybody, especially our not just our military, but also our first responders, our police officers, firefighters, even our dispatchers, doctors and nurses now because of COVID and all, the amount of death that they saw happening daily. Um, any Anybody who goes through a heavy-duty uh, car accident, um, someone who experiences rape, you know, anything traumatic in your life can bring on post-traumatic stress. And so the film, Wounded Heroes, is a film that gives solutions for anybody who's battling post-traumatic stress. And so that was one thing I learned. The other was that uh, there is hope. There are people who at one time were completely hopeless. They thought they'd have to live a miserable life for the rest of their lives because of this post-traumatic stress. And they were just barely getting by. Many of them suicidal. Some had tried to take their lives by suicide. And yet every single one of them featured in the film now completely have their lives back. They do not experience post-traumatic stress any longer. They are no longer on the medications that they were on, the antipsychotic medications. They may be down to one or two or three you know, simple things that they need to take. That's fine, but they're off the antipsychotic ones that have very serious side effects. They have their lives back. And so that's the most important thing about this film is that there are options that can give you your life back. And that's what I'm most excited about. Now, you know, because a lot of people, when they get involved in projects like you do, um, they start thinking, they start doing a lot of introspective work. Like, you know, well, how am I keeping my cup filled? So how do do you personally keep your cup filled and how do you stay mentally sane? Especially because I know a lot of people in that in the acting, directing, producing world can go off the rails really fast. So how do you stay grounded? Well, gosh, I've always just been a positive person. I always see the glass as half half full. I've never looked at anything as half empty. Um, I've always just enjoyed life. I've never experienced trauma. So that's a good thing. I mean, I did go through a divorce. That was pretty traumatic. Uh, but not at all as traumatic as what we're talking about here with, you know, the war and what people experience overseas or what our first responders experience or or anything else. Uh, so I've had a pretty good life, which I think is also very helpful. I've got great parents, great upbringing, great family. So I'm very fortunate, you know, and uh, I've been successful in life as an entertainer and as a business person. So you know, I think that's part of the reason why I'm thankful. I happen to be a person of faith. I'm a Christian. And so my faith is also really important and has kept me very positive. Uh, of course, not everything's perfect in the world, in my life. Everybody has ups and downs and disappointments and in tragedy. But thankfully, you know, it's never been anything that's really affected me uh, too greatly. You know, I've been able to keep, keep up, you know, and, and just doing I guess just being thankful for all of everything I do have and uh, not looking at anything negative that would naturally tear me down. Excuse me. I love that. Now, you know, because, you know, military are kind of like the police department. Um, We, they call it the thin blue line. Um, I believe we have a thin green line. 
where a, a lot of guys won't open up unless it's to another veteran. So how did you get the guys to or guys or girls to open up and talk about their issues within your movie? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because you are you are correct. It's hard to get them to open up. And you know the reason they did was they wanted to help. They realized they were at one time hopeless like many people are today, but they now have their lives back and they knew the film was going to be seen by fellow veterans and first responders. And so they were willing to open themselves up. And if, I don't know if you've seen the film, but those who have seen the film, I mean, it's it's amazing how much people say and how much how honest they are and how much they do open up talking about the battle but more importantly talking about the success now that they're on the other side and you know as one guy said you know here i am he said this on camera and it's in the film you know he goes when when he was battling with post-traumatic stress there's no way he could have sat in a room with someone like me with all that equipment around him we had lights and boom mics and cameras and there's just a lot of equipment in that room he goes there's no way i could have sat here back then and yet he was able to do it one because post-traumatic stress is no longer in his life, but two, because he wanted to help those who needed to know they too can get their lives back. And so he was willing to put himself in an uncomfortable position like many of the others in the film, just to help others so that they too could have a life without post-traumatic stress. Now, you know, I, I've interviewed a lot of people on the show. You know, I've interviewed a lot of veterans first responders and now god's putting a lot of people i'm a christian by the way so i just want oh, to say great thank you for being a brother in christ mm-hmm. most of but i think god's put people in my life for reasons and i'm talking to a lot of you know psychologists therapists and a lot of them are starting to talk instead of you know pts as being a disorder that post-traumatic growth that you can grow out of the things that happen to you if you, you know, changing mindsets to like, you know, um, one of, like Tony Robbins said, you know, that things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And everything is a teachable moment. Mm. So, you know, talk to us about, you know, some of the six, I, I've seen the movie twice and I'm going to watch it the third time um, just because I love it that much. But talk about some of the, because everybody likes to talk about the bad stuff. I'm, I'm the, op- I'm like you, I'm the um, eternal optimist. So talk to us about some of the success stories from that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we cover a lot of different things in firefighters, um, women who have had sexual assault that are in the film, uh, just a lot of different personalities and experiences. Um, but the bottom line is they all found success. And I forgot the question. Can you say it again? No, you know, so we're we're just talking about, you know, a lot of times that I want to hear some of the success stories that came out. Mm-hmm. Of oh, success stories, yeah. You know, even if it's just one or, one or two stories, just so, so people know that there's hope out there. So they want to watch the film. Yeah. Well, there's so many. Gosh, every person in the film is a success story. And, you know, I did a lot of interviewing by phone before we, we brought the cameras and, and got in front of them. Just one to make sure they were comfortable talking about it. Uh, two, to find out what they had experienced and then where they are now. And they all, of course, had different experiences, uh, but many of them 
you know, it was just guilt. Like Dan Jarvis, he runs an organization now called 220.org. Yep. And his organization just was doing amazing things and helping people with post-traumatic stress and getting it completely out of their lives. But Dan, you know, he experienced a lot overseas and he felt guilty for, uh, he was in the front of a convoy and I guess it was his job to be on the lookout for IEDs. And he was just, wasn't in the right place and he missed one and the car behind him or the truck or the Humvee, whatever it was, blew up and lost his friend, a good friend of his. And he felt like that was his fault. And, you know, there's just so many stories um, like that. Um, my Vietnam veteran friend, Tom Mateo, six time Purple Heart recipient. He uh, in Vietnam, they, they tossed a, there's an enemy inside of a hut or whatever it was. They tossed in a, a, uh, something that would blow up. I don't, I'm not a military guy, but, it went off and when they went in, you know, everybody was dead, but there were women and children in there. Um, and that was devastating. They didn't know there were women and children in there. They thought it was only the, uh, the enemy and men and this little girl whose mother's right next to her dead, you know, comes charging at him and attacking him, um, you know, because of what he had just done to her little family. Although the men in there were the enemy. It's just they just happen to have women and children around them as well, I guess. You know, so that was devastating, you know, just knowing that that little girl's life was forever changed. And um, he felt guilty for that. And, you know, just all, all kinds of reasons why people feel guilty. Uh, the woman that we talked to in the film that had sexual trauma, uh, of course, that is devastating. We actually talked about, and I didn't know this, but how many men in the military end up being raped and have sexual trauma. And they don't talk about it. Women, of course, it's bad enough and hard enough for them to deal with, but then it's even harder for men to deal with because you don't, people don't realize it actually happens to men. And so as one gal says in the film, you know, they suffer in a great deal of silence. And um, so, but it is an issue um, that people through some of the treatments and options in the film can overcome. Um, firefighter who, you know, he got to the, huge fire and just as he arrives he sees a woman on the third or fourth floor on the balcony you know burning to death you know blood curdling screams he he talked to me about that and how off camera but i mean just how difficult that was and just seeing her face that he couldn't be there earlier to uh save her there's nothing he could do there's nothing he could have done but to experience that and see that on a regular basis you know children um adults you know not making it because of a fire always wondering, could I have done something different? Could I have done something better? You know, all these things are uh, traumatic. But the good news is they found something that allowed them to get past that. And now they have their lives back. And that's what the whole film's about. I love it. And like I said, I'm going to be promoting it everywhere. Um, but, you know, now, un unfortunately, you know, these are not sexy subjects. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like it's Fast and the Furious 9. You know, it's not... Uh, uh, something that people are going to be like, oh, I want to invest my money in that. Or so, how hard was it to come up with the financing? Because it costs money to run production crews and all this stuff. So, how hard was it to come up with money to get this off of the ground? Well, it was really hard. We tried to raise enough money that we could give the film away for free. I never wanted to have to uh, charge, or have people rent it, or purchase it. We wanted to give it away, uh, but. It, we found out very quickly how hard it is to raise money. I think we raised about $13,000 or so. <clears throat> and the budget of the film was $250,000. Um, we spent three years on it, traveling all over the country, interviewing a lot of people, 
the edit is took about 10 months. That's a long time. You got post-production with sound. You've got music that has to be written with the composer. There's so many people involved in getting a film done. Um, but after not being able to raise the money, my wife and I, we talked about it and we both knew that this film would save lives and it would change lives. And so we both agreed that we would go ahead and fund the film. And then in, in hopes, of course, that at some point we'll get reimbursed. Uh, that may or may not happen. Who knows? But um, so we ended up funding it just so that we could get it produced so that it could help those that needs to help. And, you know, we, I talked about, you know, those stories a minute ago that were, as you said, they kind of negative and everything else. The film is a very positive, uplifting uh, film. We don't talk a lot about all the negative stuff. I think there are people who are veterans and first responders who are maybe uh, afraid to watch the film. They don't want it to be a trigger. They don't want it to bring up, you know, any of the trauma in their own minds and things. But of everybody I've talked to who's seen the film, nobody was triggered by it and nobody had any issues with it. Um, it, was, it was actually a very uplifting, positive experience with, we just did a screening in Orlando. Afterwards, I had first responders um, and uh, veterans coming out with tears in their eyes saying, thank you for making this film. None of them had a negative response. They had a very positive response because they learned things they didn't know existed and it gave them hope that they too could get their lives back. And they can. So it is a very positive film. And I can't wait and I'm to share it out on everybody. So now talk to us about how you actually pay the bills about, you know, what business you're in now and how a lot of companies don't realize how important video is. But, you know, video, according to friends of mine, like Gary Vaynerchuk, um, video is king. So talk to us about your business and what you do. Yeah. So it's Skyer Productions dot com g-i-e-r is uh guyer guyer productions and you know that's how i make that's how i make a living uh, so we produce uh, tv commercials internet videos uh, website videos training videos you know we do live stream events um and then short films uh feature films and then the documentary uh so we you know it's just a wide range of things my wife is a school teacher and so she has that income as a teacher and so, you know, a little bit of everything pays the bills. And I love producing what we produce. Video is the most important thing uh, for businesses. You know, Google makes it very clear. If you don't have video on your website, they are not going to rank you in the search results. Um, they think video is that important. And nowadays, people don't want to sit there and read a website. They want a quick, short video that explains who you are, what you do, and why you are their best choice. And Video is just, as you said, king. And so that's what I do is I help increase companies' profits by producing videos that will give them a return on their investment. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, a lot of people think TikTok is just for kids. But, you know, when you have KFC putting 80% of their budget on social media now instead of TV com commercials as it used to be, that a lot of companies think, oh, well, I'm not going to I'm going to do old school, regular commercials because that's the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And we know that that's a death knell when a company says, well, that's the way we've always done it. So talk to us about when you come into a company and they want to start doing, you know, commercials or videos and they still have that old school mentality. Yeah, well, we just kind of find out, first of all, where they are currently with their business and where they want to be. Some of them want to just have larger social media followings. Others want to increase their sales. There's a lot of different reasons. And so we first figure out 
what needs to take place to get them from where they are to where they want to be. And then we just, whether it's using video, which of course it does, but there's a lot of different ways you can use video. And so we'll figure out the best option to get them where they want to be using video and social media and social media ads. Cause that's kind of a new thing where we can get a lot of business um, with Facebook, Instagram ads. There's just short little ads. They click the link and it takes them to a landing page and then they contact the company uh, for uh, an appointment and then they can convert them into a client. Uh, but there's just a lot of different ways. Uh, there is, yeah, as you said, it's constantly changing. The old way is the old way. And you've got to know what's happening today and what's going to work best to convert clients today. And uh, we just kind of tailor a package toward people based on what they need and where they want to go. Cause like a lot, you know, I know us, like my family and a lot of our friends, we DVR everything. So we go yeah. right for the commercials so we and see commercials. And, you know, even though like during the Super Bowl, you know, th- those are the most watched commercials, but like my daughter's nine and she'll spend 10, 11, 12 hours on YouTube just watching videos. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of like we're in that YouTube, TikTok world where we have to adapt. And, you know, instead of doing like a, a minute commercials, you know, now you see somebody like, a, you know, one of the big players like um, Cadillac doing a 15 second or 30 second video. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And they'll put them on, you know, YouTube ads all the time. You, you know, that's where that's a great place to do advertising for businesses. And you can really dial in uh, also the type of client you want to get your ad in front of, which you can't do that with TV commercials. Whoever's watching is watching. And most people aren't, as you said, because of DVRs. And I I go straight through commercials as well. Um, but, you know, with your Facebook ads, your Instagram ads, your YouTube ads, you know, all those things, you can literally target the audience you want to have your ad seen by. And that helps conversions tremendously. And, you know, it seems like like two people will do almost the same commercial, but one of them will do it a different color scheme or a different music background. And one will get like 10,000 watches and one will get like a thousand. Why yeah. is that? What are some of the things that make you want to watch a video? Because it's amazing to me when I go on YouTube and I'm talking to my daughter and there's a cat video with like 10 million downloads. <laughs> like, you know, and then you somebody puts out an information, you know, some kind of information and it has like a thousand thousand views. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, and you don't always know. You know, there are people who try to create viral videos or an ad that may go viral. And, you know, all you can do is test it. You know, many times we will do an A-B test. Um, and especially when you're doing Facebook, Instagram, things like that, you do put out an ad and then you make changes, whether it's the title, whether it's the, uh, the, the description, you may change the information that's in the ad, the colors. I mean, there's so, different, so many different things that you test. Uh, and then you just keep uh, making the adjustments. You find out which of these two works best and then you start focusing on that, but then you make more changes and you just keep testing and testing until uh, you start getting a huge response because of the results from the testing that you're doing. So nobody really knows what's going to work and what's not going to work. It's all hoping and guessing, but more importantly, testing. And that's how you really get things to go viral by finding out what the audience, what their response is, and then giving them what they want. And, you know, and I find now because now, um, you know, doing this and I have to learn, you know, SEO and all that stuff. 
And I'm learning that, you know, the algorithms are always changing. Yep. And a lot of people are fighting the algorithm instead of going with the algorithm and letting it work for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you can't fight the algorithm because uh, Google sets it and all the search engines, they set it and you have to figure out and they don't tell you what the changes are. That's the other thing. Um, they, they don't want people to know because they don't want them to all of a sudden make all these changes so that they get picked up in the search results. They It's top secret. So you have these experts who are keeping an eye on things and looking at the trends and trying to figure out what the changes are so that they can make sure their clients' websites are up to date. I used to get, with Guy Productions, I used to get all kinds of business from Google uh, because I was on the first page. And something changed about a year ago and i still don't know what but the phone stopped ringing <laughs> from google you know from the search results and so they changed an algorithm that i still don't understand what it is um and then it just slowed things down with as far as my company being on the first page so i, I didn't get as many calls so i've got an seo company that does optimize my website and does optimize each page um hoping to be in line with the algorithms that Google has so that we can continue to get calls from Google. But you have to, you have to have a good SEO person uh, if you want to keep up to date with what's happening uh, with the algorithms and get search showing up on the first page of the search results. You know, and like you say, if you're not showing up on the first page of Google, you're not showing up at all because nope. nobody's going to the 17th page to find, <laughs> your, to find your products. Exactly. So now, Okay, last two questions. Um, how do we find a documentary? How can we go about and support you and your mission? And how do we, if somebody wants help with videos for their company, how can we find you and get in touch with you? Okay, so the uh, website for the film is woundedheroesdocumentary.com. And there, you can see the trailer there, of course, but there's also a link to every platform online where you can watch the film. So that would be Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube Movies, Vudu, Vimeo On Demand. There's also a DVD of the film that can be purchased, uh, but it's all on WoundedHeroesDocumentary.com. And we also have something called Sponsor a Hero. It's a program that gives people the opportunity to purchase screenings of the film that we then give away for free to our heroes, whether it's first responders, police officers, anybody, um, that are heroes. And uh, that's a great way for us to say thank you to them for what they do for us. And um, so we have had people giving, you know, it's as little as $4, it's $4 a screening. So someone can purchase a $4 screening and that'll change a life. Somebody else, $20, that's five people. I had a gentleman who's uh, wealthy, but he gave us $2,000. So that's 500 screenings we can give away, you know, and, um, so, but as little as a four bucks, it makes a difference in a person's life. And that's a way that they can help us recoup the money we spent, but it also helps the veteran and the first responder get to see the film so that they can get their lives changed. And then for video production and film production, it's Geyer, G-I-E-R productions.com. And that's the website that shows everything um, that we do and all the different options. And we have international clients. I mean, I've got clients from China. I've got clients from Australia uh, and all over the country here in the U.S. Uh, so we, uh, there's nothing we can't produce. I love it. Okay, so last question I ask everybody. You know, we, as we all know, we're still in a, a COVID or post-COVID world, whatever you want to call it. 
you know, we have a lot of here in New Jersey, a lot of parents are still out of work. So they're driving Uber, DoorDash just to put food in their kids' mouths. You know, we got still a lot of kids are still um, being homeschooled. So we got grandparents homeschooling kids. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to, to do that. So if there's somebody out there listening to this, because now you've talked to many people with struggling with PTS, uh, what is something that can, they can do in the next 24 hours to get some help? Well, I think, I, I mean, of course, I produced the film, and I, I think I would want them to want to watch the film because it's a well-rounded package. We show all of, all of these great treatments and options, but more than that, we explain what to do next steps for complete recovery. Uh, and there's so much great advice. You've got Dr. Springer, Doc Springer's, she yep. goes, and she's an amazing, amazing she is person, great. so knowledgeable. She's featured in the film with and gives such great advice. She's got a book out called Warrior. Now uh, that's outstanding. And I just love Doc Springer and all that she brings to the veteran and first responder community. Um, but, you know, really the film within the next 24 hours, it's available online for four bucks um, and um or five bucks. I guess it's five bucks for HD and four bucks for SD. And I don't control the pricing. They all control the pricing on the different platforms. Um, but it's it's got it's such a well-rounded thing. And to hear the stories and to see that people who have changed will encourage you to realize you also can get your life back. And those who are listening that may be battling post-traumatic stress. All right. Now, that's usually the normal, the last question. But for certain people, I have one more question. Um, it's especially for people of faith. Now, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, even though I fail him daily, <laughs> you know, but, you know, they say that if, if you don't feel close to God, you're the one that moved, that he's always there for you, you know. So if mm -hmm. there's somebody out there right now struggling with their faith, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to get closer to him? Well, I mean, my wife and I, we, we, uh, we do Bible study and, and pray every morning. And uh, I think when you're going through a difficult time, it's not always easy to turn to God. And But I, I just think you need to. I think people need to pray. They may not feel like God's listening, but he is. Uh, I think they should be in the reading the Bible because that's how God can speak to us and encourage us and keep us strong. Plus, you know, it's important that we feed our spirit spiritually. You know, it's just like we need to eat physically. We need to be fed spiritually. And that's what the word of God's all about. Um, so being in the word and praying and just trusting that no matter what you're going through, God is there. And, you know, my wife and I, we were just talking about that this morning, you know, when we, because there was a time when we were making a ridiculous amount of money in, in real estate. And then we lost it all when the market crashed in 2008. And so we literally lost homes all over the country that we owned. We ended up losing our own home. Uh, my construction business, building spec homes in three states was gone because nobody was buying our homes. And, you know, we didn't let it get us down as we were losing everything because we knew God was in control and we just looked to him, we turned to him. And when we look back in the moment, we didn't really know what he was doing. And if he was there, we knew he was, but you don't, you don't always feel it. Looking back though, now he was there the entire time, opening and closing doors and taking care of us all along the way. So the, there are people who may not realize that right now with what they're going through, they may think or feel God is not there. He is. You're going to get past this. You're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, you were there. And uh, but get in the word and pray. That's my advice. Uh, I love it, brother. So, guys, definitely check it out. Uh, 
I've watched it twice. I'm going to about to watch it just for a third time. It's wounded hero heroes documentary.com. Check it out. Um, support my friend, Michael, if you're a company and you're interested in video, if you're not on TikTok, if you're not on YouTube, you're wrong and you're leaving money on the table. So definitely get in touch with my brother, Michael. Brother, thank you so much. I'm so honored and grateful that you come on. And um, as everybody knows, somebody comes on my show, the relationship just starts today. And I'm so grateful that God puts you in my life. Oh, thank you, Richard. I appreciate that. You as well. Well, have an amazing week. This will go out in a couple of weeks, and I'll let you know when it's all about to go out. Okay, perfect. Thanks, right, God bless you and the family. All right, you as well, my friend. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass kicking coffee. And, and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.